Uh, we're in a sermon series in Job, uh, which I managed to extend by week uh, because I spoke so long last time that I knew I had enough material for today as well. Uh, because last week I was uh, extremely excited about uh, the verses, and I'll try to contain myself to not do the sermon again from last time. Oh, apparently it's time for the kids to leave, so you can, uh, in a, in an orderly manner, when uh, when Kylene has left, then the then this family goes. Then this family goes, then this family goes, and then this family goes, and then this family goes. But you have to keep uh, two meters distance as you do that. Yes. All right. All right. All right, let's pray, and then uh, I'll get back into uh, the sermon. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time. Uh, thank you even for providing today this place that we can meet. Um, when there was a little bit of a, um, um, an issue with uh, where we uh, with the other places, so thank you for the kindness of the people here that we were able to meet here together. Um, yeah, Lord, I pray that you would come. Um, overwhelm us. Thank you we can sing your praises. Thank you we can still gather. Um, Lord, I thank you for the book of Job. I thank you for the sermon series we've been in. Um, Lord, thank you for showing yourself who you are. Thank you for showing uh, Job who you are. Um, Thank you for meeting us right where we need to be met by you. And Lord, we pray and I pray that this is what you're going to do here this uh, afternoon. Uh, you meet us right in the place where we need to know that you are God and that we're not. Um, so it's freedom for us and uh, it will be glorifying to you. Um, pray for the kids going into kids' church. Uh, pray you bless them, encourage their hearts and minds to get to know you at a very early age. Um, so we pray for that. Pray for our hearts here where we have ears to hear, hearts to receive what you have for us tonight. And um, and we thank you. We praise you for who you are. Um, may you receive this offering as well as we are uh, listening to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So this was the this was what you couldn't see last week. So this is Job repenting because he saw. I heard of you of the ear. I've heard of you of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself, and repent, and d- in dust and ashes. Um, so that's that was Job last week when God came and He showed him how powerful and mighty He is. He was overwhelmed. He could not keep answering back. Um, but uh, let's read Joseph are you messing with my slides okay <laughs> all right just uh just to remember this is the book of job uh, made up and now we are in the very last 42 uh and so this is uh, kind of the um 
the ending, the climax of the story. God has just come and he's fulfilled all the things that Job has been asking. Um, why are things happening? And God doesn't answer, but he shows himself who he is. And he gets really transformed by that. Um. All right. Can I get the next slide? All right. Because I wanted to read. Uh, let's read together. Because this is so beautiful, so we're going to do it again. But I spent the whole time last time on these six verses, so today we'll do the rest. But I, we're going to read this. So Job is going to answer back. Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered things that I did not understand, things too wonderful me, for me which I did not know. Here and I will speak, I'll question you and make it known to me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Today's text. And after the Lord had spoken these words to Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Timnites, My anger burns against you and your friends, two friends, um, here. For you have not spoken of me what was right, as my servant Job has. Now therefore take seven bulls and rams and go to my servant Job and offer up a burnt offering for yourself. And my servant Job shall pray for you, and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. For you have not spoken of me what was right, as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Timnite, Bildad the Shunite, and Sophar the Nehemite went and did what the Lord had told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. And then the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Then came to him all his brothers and sisters and all who had known him before and ate bread with him in his house and they showed him sympathy and comfort. Comforted him for all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. And each of them gave him a piece of money and a ring of gold. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, a hundred, you know, a thousand yoke of oxen, and a thousand female donkeys. And he had also seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first daughter Jehemiah, and the name of the second Kiasha, and the name of the third Kirhian Hapu. I just wanted to make sure somebody's not stealing uh, Stefan Spike. Oli, 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 oli. It's okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> this is, it's not normal if somebody walks up this way. But you can, yeah, okay. Um, sorry. Uh... <laughs> And the th name of the third, Karen Hirpium, uh, and all, in all the land there was no woman so beautiful as the daughter, Job's daughter, daughters, and their father, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers. And after the Job, and after this, Job lived a hundred and forty years, and he saw his sons and his sons and his sons for generation, and Job died an old man, full of days. 
This is the Lord's word. All right, so we've been in this sermon series of Job for a while, some people would say. Um, and this is now where Job gets restored. He's been through a lot of things, uh, so suffering, and he has gone through uh, mental agony, agony, mental challenges, and he has had skin diseases. Um, but now, at the end of everything, he has ten children, and he gets restored in front of his friends, in front of his family. So we've just read the text, and I'll just go over again um, the things. Last week, Job was talking to God. He repented. He, uh, he humbly came to God, and God received him back, forgave him. Now this week, uh, God's going to deal with uh, Job's friends. So God confronts Job's friends. And he says, my anger burns against you. Because you've not spoken of me what is right, like Job has. So if you don't like God is uh, angry or has wrath, well then this text is not so nice for you. Because <laughs> it's clearly, it says that God is angry with the friends. Because they've spoken wrongly about who God is. Like one said, we're all, theolo- we're all theologians. We all think and say things about God. But is, is what we're saying, is that correct? And how, does that, how is that received by God if we're talking just whatever about who God is? Well, we see here, God is not satisfied with the three. His anger burns against them. Now something very interesting happens now. God offers them a way out. He shows them grace and he says, if you will offer these things to me, then I will receive you. But not only that, not only the offering. No, they have to go to Job, humble themselves. Humble himself before Job because Job is going to be the only way that God is not going to pour out his wrath on them. Job here becomes the thing he wanted the whole time. Job becomes a mediator. He becomes their priest. The only one who can actually save them now. God says, go to Job and he will pray for you and I will accept his prayer. This is a... a, 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 The book has been full of all sorts of things. One of them is irony. And this is a big irony. The big irony here is that Job said earlier, I am trusting in God, I am calling out to God, and his friend says, nobody hears you. They did not pray for, for Job at all. Now they have to humble themselves and go to Job and be prayed for by him. That's the only way for them not to get punished. So they do that. They go go to Job. Job has Job has now himself experienced and received forgiveness by God. And now he extends it to his friends that otherwise might have been a little bit unhelpful at some points in the story. Job is transformed by the forgiveness that he had. And he extends that. Uh, 
I have an extra verse here where um, Job becomes a shadow. He becomes a shadow of a mediator. Because the real mediator is this one. First of all, then, I urged that supplication, prayers, and intercession and thanksgiving be made for all the people, for, th- for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may live a p- peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one mediator, between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So this is what Job has been longing for, the mediator, the one that would intercede for him, the one that could bring him his request. Job becomes the shadow of a mediator for his friends to pray for them that God would intervene and save them from his wrath. In all of this, God restores Job. He is actually granting what what Job wanted, that he is vindicated again in front of his friends and the people that spat on him or, or made fun of him. He's vindicated. God lifts him up. Now he's their salvation through his prayers. Job, because his heart has been moved by who God is, chooses to forgive them. And God accepts them. And then what happens? And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. And, Job, and, and, God, and the Lord gave him twice as much as he had before. Then his family comes, and they show him sympathy and comfort. And you can say, well, why didn't that do that in the beginning? That's a good question. The author also makes it clear here that there's still a view that this is all God. God is sovereign. God is the one who's doing all these things. God blesses his latter days more than the early ones. He sees his four generations brought up. He dies extremely wealthy, an old man, and full of days. So first, Job was vindicated and and restored to his friends. Now his family. He's restored to his family. These people that has probably scorned him and not want to have anything to do with him because they all believed he was cursed of God. Um... But uh, as some other point, um, not pointators, but commentators point, um, it's the the order is very important here. First, Job repents after he sees who sees who God is. Then he experiences forgiveness, so he can forgive, and then God restores him. First to his friends, and now to his family. He also restores all his wealth and gives him double back. Seven sons and three daughters. He lives to see four generations. And he dies with uh, what later becomes like a kind of a blessing um, full of days. 
as I was talking about before, uh, whether we like God's wrath or we like that God is almighty, the passage here also describes clearly that this is in the hand of God. That all the stuff happened did not happen without God knowing. So it's actually attributed that God brings on the disaster. We know that God is almighty, but we also know that God lets Satan do it. It came through God's hands. Satan lost the battle for Job. Because what was the question? The question was, was Job only serving God because he had a lot of stuff and because he had health? Job never curses God. And Satan loses. And Job wins. And God knew this was going to happen. Why, do get, why, does God, why does Job win? Well, God, Job wins because God shows up right when he needs him the most. And he shows him who he is. Like I said last time, he doesn't see God. It's a real win. But he shows Job who he is. And Job has a very different view Oh, who God is at the end. I was playing with uh, I was playing with the thought of calling this one chapter forty three or verses forty two to eighteen to twenty five uh, because uh, maybe you could say this or I was thinking maybe there's something missing. We're not seeing this time. We're not zooming back into heaven and seeing the heavenly scene where Satan comes and he's all defeated and complaining to God again, and you just see God. God be there just laughing. I told you. I told you Job was not going to curse me. And you know what, Job? It's just the beginning. He's just a shadow. Because there's somebody coming. Somebody coming, the true mediator. You would do all the same things to the true mediator. You would tempt, you would try to destroy, and you will also fail. He is going to start everything so everything will be restored. Job is vindicated in everyone's eyes. God gives him these blessings. But was God obligated to restore Job's wealth? Doesn't this show that his friends were right, that if you just repent, then you would get everything back? But we know that friends are wrong about how they speak about God because they were all judged and only saved by Job. I, I, I want to try to explain this well and I was trying to practice, so I hope this comes out well. Last time I argued that nobody is going to come up with the God of the Bible. Why not? Why not? Because we will never create that God. It's a God we cannot manipulate by our behavior. We cannot bribe him. We cannot satisfy him. We don't understand him all the time. His plan is far more than we are. Nobody comes up with this God on our own. And we see that here too. Job is not rewarded because he did what he did. 
There is not an X. If I do this, God is obligated to give me Y. That is not how God works. And that's not relationship between a humble human and an all-knowing God. It does not work that way. Maybe we would like it to, and our hearts are like, if I could just, if I could just earn this from God, you know, I do my devotions um, every every time this month, and then God will give me a wife or a girlfriend or a lot of money. It does not work that way. God cannot be manipulated into giving you stuff. But like Jesus says, and I think a lot of all the commentators. God is not stingy, and he's not a father who doesn't give good gifts. You can just not manipulate him to do it. But he longs to give good gifts. And so this is what we're seeing, that God blesses Job because he wants to. He, he was not obligated to, but he did because he wanted to. He takes delight in blessing his faithful people. But he's not um, he's not a slot machine or anything like that where you just say, well, if I do this, then you have to give me this. Job lived a hundred and forty years after all this stuff happens. Job's suffering time was actually quite small compared to the lifespan of 140 to 210 years. If we're thinking he's 75 and gets twice as much to live in. That reminded me about what about the many faithful brothers and sisters right now in the world and before that suffered for Christ but saw the price that life was very short for them compared to eternity with Jesus. That the prize was not all the stuff God could give, but the prize was to be with God. Saved from God to God. To be with God. Job died old and full days. And you might still have a lot of questions about suffering and about God. Because many of your questions, maybe they weren't answered in the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, the answer is, trust me, I am almighty. So in the, in the world, we have developed something called the problem of evil. I'm here to fix it. <laughs> no, I'm not. I'm here to maybe get us to think about that term a little more. Because... Because the problem of evil is man-made. Uh, if you don't know the problem of evil, is if, if, it's, if God is almighty and can do all things, then why is there suffering? So then there's a problem. Well, I don't really think there's a problem. I think we have a problem understanding what God is doing. And when we say there's a problem, well, the problem is that we're not trusting that God has a better plan than we do. 
there's super many excuses of not trusting God. But there's no valid excuses. Because Paul says in Romans, we people suppress the truth of God and worship the creator in, worship the created instead of the creator who is blessed forever and ever amen. Our focus can maybe be so tight on this world, on the next application, on the next thing, or the, the, whatever is going to happen, that our focus might be so centered about this life that we forget the prize and the goal is to be with God now and forever, enjoying him now and forever. The gift of God is God himself. And I was just reminding him about, uh, yes, thank you. I was reminding him about this. There was one, uh, one uh, Chris, up to Christmas, there was one, one year where I kind of stumbled about this. And in First John, John writes, This is the message we've heard and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. God is light and there's no darkness in him in all. If we have, we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all, all righteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. There is no, in the inland, I guess it's a different translation, there's no shadow due to change in God. God doesn't change, he's always light. It reminds us about who God is, he's always light. Reminds us about the gospel that the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we are humble enough to ask him to forgive us of our sins. So we can complain against God all we want and say we don't know him, we don't trust him. Um, but there are no excuses because after looking to the cross, and seeing God's love for us, then turning around and accusing him of being unjust because we don't understand what he's doing is not valid. Our response should be like Job's. When we see who God is, to humble ourselves, to say, you are God, I'm not. I repent, my heart is broken and humble that you will come and seek me out, that you have made a way for my rebellion, to cover my rebellion, and come and seek me out and find me in Jesus. Lord, forgive my pride, my demanding, my not trusting you. That's the God we have. Not a God that's out to get you, not a God that doesn't want you to do you good. But it doesn't mean that you can explain why everything happens. God's ways are higher than ours. The big question is, do we know who he is? And do we know that we can trust him?
And for a lot of you here, you've already lived a life where everything didn't go right. But some of you have also been in those situations, seeing God more clearly. I spoke at length last time, what does suffering actually do in us? It produces in us character, hope. But it's some things that God knows that we might have to go through. The book of Job, amazing book, is so much about how we really need to see who God is for us to trust him and to live for him. And so as you're just sitting there praying, thinking, it's just a good time to just pray and ask God to make that more clear. But also a time where you just like in you, just let it bubble up, let it bubble up in you how much Jesus has done for you, how much you have to be thankful for, how much you were in darkness and now you are set free. Um, to rejoice in that. If you've never done that, you're online, you're here, you've never done that. That's what I've been talking about the whole time. That we've all fallen short of the glory of God and we need a mediator. God sent his son Jesus. It is possible to be reconciled to God, have all your sins forgiven, being cleansed, and have the greatest gift to be with God himself. It is possible. So if you don't if you want to do that, pray and ask God to show up. This was the book of Job. If you have any questions, comments, angry outbursts, I'm willing to talk to you afterwards and we we can talk about that. And also we have the Bible study on Wednesday. Let's pray. Heaven Father, thank you. Thank you so much for the book of Job, all the things you're teaching us through. Um, just for myself, all the things you've taught me. Just to, do I have that heart of trust in you? Do I have that, even when things don't make sense in my mind, do I have a trust that you're a good God also when I don't get it? Lord, thank you. Thank you that you've been so faithful always to all the people I've called out, even to the people that suffered massively. Did you've been right there. You've encouraged them. You've sustained them. Lord, thank you that you do meet everyone. You have a desire to have people turn to you. That the heart that really seeks after you will find you. So we pray that's our prayer today for the people here today and also the people watching. That you will create in us a heart that want to seek you, that want to trust you, that want to love you, and want to rejoice in who you are. Lord, help us to keep our focus on the eternal here and now and to the end. Help us to understand that you are the reward. Pray that it will be a huge blessing to you and to all the people we encounter. Let us be lights in this city for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.